Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. nearly 25 years of ministry I have probably referred to this group of verses more than anything they say that repetition is the mother of all mastery so I don't think that there's ever an occasion that there's something in the word of God that we don't need to hear sometimes we just need to be reminded few things that God has said to us. Lamentations chapter 3, what an honor it is to be in the presence of the Lord this morning. Give honor to my bishop, to my pastor today. So thankful for their influence in our life and their leadership and their ministries today. Lamentations 3 and verse number 21, the Bible says this, I recall to my mind. Therefore, or because of that, I have hope. Have I hope? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul therefore will I hope in him the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord I wonder if you would just rest your Bibles down and lift your hands toward heaven this morning and ask the Lord to minister to us today. God, we thank you. We're so thankful, Lord, for your loving kindness. We're thankful this morning, Jesus, that you are with us. God, we know by your word that you said you would not only be with us, but you would be in us today. Lord, and we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the revelation of truth. We're thankful, God, that we don't just assemble here, Lord, to demonstrate our perfections. But, God, in being in this house today, I'm demonstrating that I'm not perfect and that I need you. I don't have it all figured out today. I don't have everything that I need today. But, God, I bring this to you, Lord, this piece of flesh. And I ask you, God, to use it, mold it, make it what you want it to be today. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Look at your neighbor this morning, give him a high five, tell him it's good to be in church. Lord bless you, you can be seated today. That's a courtesy and not a command. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on this thought, because his mercies fail not. 
because his mercies fell not. The first 20 verses of Lamentations chapter 3 are replete with the continual flow of emotions from the prophet Jeremiah. If you've ever read anything about Jeremiah, you can see that he is very emotional. He's very passionate about what it is that he has to write and to say. In Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, he says that his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. But he seems to be a little bit of a ways, maybe, maybe a long way away from that sentiment now. He's a long way away from the pomp and the circumstance of godly fire in the scripture text that I read in your hearing today. We must understand this morning that it's easy to proclaim God in the middle of revival. I've seen a many of people come to church during a revival or a series of meetings where there's revival proclaimed. And they will express Holy Ghost fire in the midst of those meetings. Only that when the revival is closed, they never come back. It's easy to proclaim God when everybody else is proclaiming God. It's very difficult to proclaim God and to keep the mind of that revival when you're going through the middle of affliction. In a similar set of statements this morning, the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 102 in verse number 1, a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Both the writings of David and the writings of Jeremiah are written with much feeling and with much emotion. In Lamentations chapter 3, the prophet Jeremiah fluently complains about the plight that he finds himself in. And there are several complaints that he goes through, and I want to go through them with you this morning because I suspect if you are... If you are not walking in the Spirit 24-7 today, and if you are here representative of human flesh as I am, there are probably some of these that you've even thought, maybe even said a time or two in your life. But Jeremiah complains, first of all, that God is angry. His feelings from the very beginning of this complaint give birth to the bitterness that he is feeling and the affliction that he is going through in verse number 1 of this chapter in verse in Lamentations. He says, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. The second thing that he complains about is that he is at a loss and altogether in the dark. In verse 2 of Lamentations 3, he says, He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. I made, I made uh, a reference to this last Sunday. I'll rehearse it for you again in case you were not here, or if you're listening on podcast at a later date and have not listened to that, let me just refresh one more time in your hearing today. Coming to church and serving God does not solve all of your problems. 
I've not come this morning to, to be negative intentionally. I, I, I will try my best to be real with you today. But if you had problems before you walked through those double doors this morning, you're going to continue to have those problems while you worship today. And you're going to continue to have those problems when you walk out. Proclaiming God does not pull you completely out of the darkness of this world and put you in this almighty glow of God's glory 24-7. You have to make up your mind that I may be walking in darkness, but as long as I've got the light of the love of God in me, I'll walk through the dark, I'll walk through the mud, I'll walk through the light, I'll walk wherever he... I'll walk wherever he wants me to walk, but I am not going to give up. The greatest misconception any Christian can ever develop is that coming to church is going to fix everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that God's not going to bless you. I'm not here to tell you that God's not going to help you. But not every blessing that God has ever given me has been the blessing that I asked for. There have been times I've asked God for money. Now, some of you laughing like you've never heard of that before, but you might have prayed it before you come to church this morning. When the... When the when, when you can pull two sides together and the ends are barely meeting, you're like, oh God, you've got to give me some sustenance here. Help me. Now there's a couple of things that happens here. I have asked God for money before and He has blessed me in every way but that. But what I didn't recognize then that I can recognize now is that the things that he blessed me with that were not money kept me from having to spend no more money. So the blessings was still of God. There was one time in my life, this is a long time ago, don't judge me now. There was one time in my life I can remember, I don't remember the exact words I used, but nonetheless it was basically God give me more money. And he gave me a better job, and it was more work than I was doing, and I didn't want to do the work. That was a young man's learning opportunity. I got what I asked for. But God said, you're going to work for it. Sound familiar? Because we're living in a society that feels entitled to everything. Oh, don't lose me now. We're living in a society that says, give it to me, but I'm not going to give you anything for it. And if we can declare politically and naturally that nothing is for free, we should not expect anything for free when we come to church. God's got a sacrifice in store. I might not be dragging a bullock behind my right hip. I'm not, I might not have a basket full of turtle doves today, but God's got a sacrifice in store, and it is the sacrifice of my lips, giving praise to Him continually, the Bible says. Somebody shout hallelujah. So if, if, if by chance you come to church and you struggle in your worship, if by chance that's you 
you need to understand that when you come to church, in, in a certain, there's, there's all kinds of meanings for worship and praise. So I'm not, I'm not by any stretch saying that this is the only one. But, but just imagine that you're writing out a deposit slip. And you say, okay, God, this, this is my payment for this week. I'm giving you my sacrifice. I'm giving something to you. Jeremiah was very emotional. The third thing that he is complaining is that God appears against him. You ever felt like God was against you? Because nothing was going the way you wanted it to go. Nothing was going the way that you dreamed that it would go. God had at one time been for Jeremiah, but in his grief, he's now asserting that surely against me he has turned. He has turned his hand against me all the day, the Bible says. If God's hand was continually turned against us, we would begin to believe that his heart was also against us as if we based our position with God solely off of what we feel. There, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be misunderstood and contradicted today before it's over. I know it. If you come to church, I, I, I've seen this, and you, you have too, but let me, re, let me re, rehearse this for you today. We have had people come into this assembly, whether it was church building number one, two, or three, this assembly, we have had people come in, Bishop, that have come in running, and they backslid walking out. Run the whole time they're here. But could never sit down long enough to be instructed by the word of God. Now, I, if I, have to, if I have to qualify what I'm saying this morning, then you don't know me. If I have to qualify that I believe in worship, then we've got a whole different set of problems. And I need to change my message today. So I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time qualifying myself. I'm just going to say, I believe in worship. But you cannot substitute worship for the Word of God. You cannot substitute worship in place of instruction. Because I am convinced today, you can worship in your flesh. And I believe I have seen people in my walk with God that have wanted to out-worship the preacher just because they didn't want instruction. Because flesh said, I don't want you talking to me, so I'm going to worship so I don't have to listen to you. Let me tell you something, that's not worship. That's flesh. That's flesh substituting worship. So we cannot base our position in God solely off of what we feel because here's the dramatic fact this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I come to church. Yes, this assembly. Sometimes I come to First Apostolic Church on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, and on a Wednesday night, and I don't feel a thing. There are times I stand behind this pulpit when duty calls that when I get up here, I'm not feeling anything. There are times I don't feel anything till I might be 10 or 15 minutes in. Now you looking at me with a little shock this morning, but let me spin the tables on you and ask you, how many times do you come in the house of God already tapped into the Spirit? My point is, I cannot base whether or not I'm going to church on what I feel like. 
Our deliverance cannot be gauged by how high we're jumping. Because some days, I'm not going to jump. Some mornings you're going to get up, you're going to have a head coat and sinus junk, and you're going to sound like a 13-year-old girl. But that's all right. You're going to do it anyway because that does not represent my walk with God. Lord, have mercy. How am I doing on time today? They didn't start my timer. Everybody's in trouble. It's a good thing I can tell time. Our deliverance, walk with me right here. I feel the spirit of pastor in the house. Our deliverance cannot be based on how many times you talk in tongues. We, we don't have any visitors here this morning. We don't have any guests. Everybody, everybody that's here that I see are, are, are home folk, frequent folk. So I, I feel a little bit more liberty this morning than I might have otherwise. But let me remind you of Simon the Sorcerer. Talked in tongues and was baptized in Jesus' name. Turned right around, got his wallet out and said, How much money can I pay you for this power? What, what are you saying, Brother Mason? I'm saying... Apostolics, be careful with me here. Pastor may want to edit this podcast so no one misunderstands what we believe. That's all right. But let me tell you something. Talking in tongues is not an indicator of your salvation. It's an indicator that God has been in you and is in you, but that is not an indicator of perfection. Talking in tongues doesn't mean I've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you don't need to. That's the Holy Ghost in you. Yes, you need that. But it is not an indicator or a thermometer reading that says you're right with God. Because you can talk in tongues and leave a church dismissal after the final we walk by faith and not by sight. And you can walk out and sin the most grotesque sin you've ever performed. Because I cannot gauge my deliverance off of that. It has to be off of the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by our emotions. Too often we, we hold out for a shout-out service to proclaim deliverance. Do you know that our God is so powerful that even in teaching moments like this when no one's really hucking a bucket and swinging off the beams, you know God can still heal you. You know, he, 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 he still speaks in the thunder. Don't get me wrong. It's been a while since we had one of those services. I'd kind of like to have one. But, but he still speaks in the thunder. But you know what? He still knows how to speak in a still, small voice also. He still knows how to sweep in among us in a, in, a, in a beautiful odor of worship when nothing else is going on and God can minister to you. That's how great he is. That's how powerful he is. Love to shout. I think we need to do a little bit more of it. But that shout is not going to be a thermometer of my salvation. I have to have faith in his power and faith in his word. Our deliverance today cannot be gauged by us getting what we want. 
nor can we say we don't have deliverance because he didn't give us what we want. Because here's the thing that we overlook in 2019. God knows better. There are some things I ask for that in the moment I may not realize that I'm really asking for the wrong thing. And sometimes, I, I believe this morning, God always answers your prayer. You're waiting on the punchline, aren't you? He always answers your prayer. Here's what we overlook sometimes. Sometimes he quietly says no. And we, we have convenient hearing problems when God says no. It's like we're on a different frequency. God says yes, we hear him. And it's like, ah! We're shouting, huckabucking, and everything's great and glory, and God's falling in the house. But when God says no, it's like, what'd you say? Number four, I'll move on. Jeremiah complains that he is sorely afflicted in both his body and his mind. In verse 4, he says, My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He's talking about God. He hath broken my bones. We want to get mad sometimes when we come to church and somebody says something we don't appreciate. Jeremiah says, God has broken my bones and made my flesh old. Now, there's nobody ever coming into this building and anybody's ever made you look old. You look old, you did it yourself. There's no one ever coming into this building and left with a broken bone. At least not at the fault of the church. He has filled me with bitterness. He hath making me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. Are you getting the picture here? A mouthful of rocks. He hath covered me with ashes. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I wouldn't go back to that church. In other words, he's saying that he looks like someone who has one foot in the grave and that it's not only God's fault, but that God is the one that's broken his bones or disabled him so that he cannot do anything to help himself. And as if this were not enough, he continues to say that he is so intoxicated by his afflictions that he doesn't even know what to say or to do, that nothing he eats is pleasing or nourishing to him. Jeremiah is bitter. Jeremiah is in a bad shape. But his problem is not much different than ours. In the middle of our affliction, we often only see only our problems. We often only feel about our pain. We often only care about our situation. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Jeremiah is delusioned by his problems as often we are delusioned by our problems. He has lost focus because now he's handling his problem. How many times, Bishop, I know you can't count them because you've said it more times than what I can count myself, but how many times has someone said, Bishop, I'm not coming to church right now because I'm just going through something? Well, I don't, I don't want to sound sarcastic this morning. I don't want to be mean. And I don't really want, I don't desire for anyone to misunderstand me today. But God bless you. Who isn't going through something? 
That's the better question. Because if we were to take a poll through this congregation this morning, as lean as we are today, I would dare say that I would have great success with saying 100% of every one of us are going through something. What I'm going through, you might not be going through. What you're going through, I might not be going through. But we're still going through it. So how about we come to church, worship God, and go through it together? Because that's how we're going to find our deliverance today. I'm not going to find my deliverance at home. I'm not going to find my deliverance on the couch. I'm not going to find my deliverance playing the proverbial ostrich and sticking my head in the sand and ignoring everything. I'm going to find my deliverance in the house of God where I can worship Him, I can love Him, and I can listen to His instructions. We often get disillusioned by our problems. Jeremiah then complains that he is not able to find a way of escape or deliverance. Verse number 5, he says, He hath built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He further says in verse number 7 that he has hedged me about so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. There's a lot of visual illustry here going on in Jeremiah's writings. He feels that he is surrounded by walls and bound by chains that are too heavy to carry. Sin will cause you to feel like the walls are caving in. The chains can be so heavy that it can make your daily walk difficult. You say, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know that I've sinned. You know, there is a difference between conscious sin and omission sin. Because sometimes not doing the right thing is just as wrong as doing the wrong thing. Let, let me retranslate that for you. When we read the scripture in the book of Hebrews that says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and you decide to stay home, that's sin. Thank you, Bishop. You have omitted an opportunity for you to be in the house of God like you are instructed to be, not by me, not by pastor, not by, but by the Word of God. But then, I'm going through something. Where do I go? Now I'm going back to God. And that's okay. But at some point we need to recognize I might not have been in the situation I was in if I hadn't been walking through sins of omission. Because sin is what separates you from God. And if you are further from God today than you were yesterday, then there is something in your life Amen. Jeremiah continues. He's still complaining. We're not going to end with the complaints, all right? But Jeremiah's got a big complaint here, and he's still, he's still on a roll. He complains that God has turned a deaf ear to his prayers. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever felt like when you pray, God's not listening? I have. I've felt like that more times in my adult life than I can count. I've prayed God's not listening. Verse number 8, he says, Also when I cry and shout... He shutteth out my prayer. 
This is all the more reason why our walk with God cannot be based on what we feel because sometimes when I pray, I don't feel anything. That's hard for us apostolics to grab hold of. And I, I, I honestly believe, and I say this sincerely this morning, I honestly believe that's why I, I think some people that aren't apostolic have a little bit of a leg up on us whenever it comes to the world of praying because they're not seeking a feeling. And if we apostolics ever make a mistake in the presence of God, it's seeking a feeling. We need to seek truth in His Word, not the emotion. The emotion will come automatically. But if you will stop seeking a feeling, God will give you the feeling you're looking for. He then complains that his neighbors make a laughing matter of his troubles. We've all been laughed at. Mocked. Verse number 14, he says, I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. Sometimes we worry way too much about what people think and less about what God thinks. He then complains, I'll hurry through here. He says that he is ready to despair of relief and deliverance. Verse number 17, he says, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. He's about to give up on hope. He's ready to throw in the towel. The ninth complaint that Jeremiah is posturing in Lamentations 3 is that his grief has returned upon every remembrance of his troubles. In verses 19 and 20, he says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. But wait. Wait. It's, the, it's about to change. The, the, the tone of the chapter is about to change because now Jeremiah's pen begins to write a little differently. Now his tone begins to uplift with a little bit of light now instead of darkness. Now Jeremiah's got a little bit of a small bounce back in his step. As I quote back again to you the, the verse that we started with today, and he says in verse number 21, This I recall to my mind. Now that's powerful, ladies and gentlemen, because everything that I have taken you through in the last 29 minutes and 38 seconds has taken us to the point of knowing how bitterness was, how pain is, and how grief-stricken Jeremiah is and has been, and how we can relate to those things. But now, right in the middle of everything that Jeremiah is going through, he says, oh, but I've got a memory. I've got something that I can recall to my mind. I remember a better day. I remember a worship atmosphere. I remember a day where God delivered me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope. I've lost hope in every other avenue of life. Life, but in this memory, this one thing that I recall to my mind, are you hearing me today? This one thing that I recall to my mind gives me hope. <clears throat> this one thing, somebody shout hallelujah. Now beyond the bitterness, beyond the emotional outplay, logic and reasoning are coming into play now. Jeremiah is getting past himself just a little bit. He's seeing beyond what he feels. And he's knowing that God really does hear his prayer. And he's knowing that he can recall back to his heart and his mind that there is hope. Let me tell you something this morning. Be careful who you complain to. 
When you're going through something, it's all right to go through something. I'm not preaching against that. I'm not talking against having troubles this morning because we all have them. There, 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 There are times in life and they vary for each of us. The severity varies for each of us. The timing it varies for each of us. But every one of us are or are going to go through something that is going to rock your world. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's either happened to you, and if it has, it may happen again. I don't know. But when it happens, be careful who you complain to. Because the last thing you need is a bunch of Job's comforters around. Saying, just, just quit. You no good anyway. Just stop. Because you can reason with the wrong people. You know, there's few things that, uh, well, I, I can't say that. Lord, forgive me about lied. I started to say there's few things in life that really frustrate me. There's a lot of things that frustrate me. But one of them, one of them, is if somebody comes to me, Bishop, if somebody comes to me for advice, and I give them advice, all right, it it doesn't bother me so much if they don't listen to me. All right, they asked, I gave. But let me tell you what really just gets in my crawl really bad is when they come to me, they come to you, and they go to 25 other people and ask the same question. You can ask too many people for guidance because you're going to get an opinion from 25 different people. And most of the time, The people who do that is because they didn't like the answer that they got, so they're seeking someone to tell them what they want to hear. And when they find, whoop, bingo, we got a winner. Thank you for your advice. Come on. Then you really didn't want advice. You wanted somebody to tell you how right you were. You've got to be careful who you complain to because you will find someone to agree with you. And like Jeremiah, you might not need someone to agree with you because you could be bitter. Newsflash this morning. You're not always right. Now I say that with a mirror image glaring back at me. I'm not always right. But oh, when I open the Word of God, And I see Lamentations 3.21 that tells me this I recall to my mind. And because of that, I have hope. We need to recall some things to our mind today. Past revivals. Past prophecies. Past victories. Past worship experiences. Some of you that used to worship and march around the church that don't anymore, maybe you need to pick that up again. Hello. Some of you that used to shout and dance in the aisle, but you don't anymore, that should not be predicated on us having 120 in the auditorium. I'm not shouting for them. So whether you hear or whether you're not should not affect my worship. But for some reason in our human flesh, it does. I don't pretend to understand that. I'm just telling you the word of God this morning. I don't worship you. 
So if you're here, all right. If you're not here, that's on you. Should be. You want to know what human flesh does to worship? I say this carefully this morning. I say this with love. I say it with a smile on my face. We're home church this morning. Let me tell you, let me tell you, if, if you want to know what human flesh does to worship, you watch special services around here. You, you, you watch Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day and you watch all those special services where we have a real, real genuine opportunity to get newer people here. We clam up. I want you to look good. Look as good as you want to look. But when we come into the presence of the Lord, that should be all that matters. Because I'm going to land the plane here soon. I see the runway. Verse number 22, if you'll put that on the screen, Lamentations 3.22. He continues now from his hope. He's recalled it to his mind. I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed. I didn't do anything. I'm not that good. I, I, I can actually, pardon my bluntness this morning, if this offends you, pray for me, but I can actually be kind of stupid. I can do some dumb things. I've done some things in my life that I should, I, I should have been killed. I'm not going to tell you, Brother Mike Trout, what it was. That's, between, that's, that's mine. But I've done some dumb things. I did such a stupid thing one time, it should have took me, my wife, and your pastor out. I got you curious now. So I'm just taking you right to the edge and I'm going to leave you there because I'm not telling you what it was. I've done some dumb things. But it's because of the Lord's mercies. Now in the world of sin, I've done some dumb things. I've done some crazy things that I should have never done. But it's because of the Lord's mercies. I'm not concerned. In the world of sin, there's some things I haven't done. And it's because of the Lord's mercies. I am not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. I wonder if you could just lift your hands right now and thank him for his compassion today. Thank him for his love this morning. He fails not. He fails not. He fails not. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If, if you're in agreement with me here this morning and that you're, you're, you're not where you was, but you're not where you need to be, join the club today. You're not looking at people holding these microphones that are perfect. 
I need to wake up every morning and know that I'm not consumed because of his mercy. Verse number 23, we continue on. Fasten your seatbelts. The plane's coming in for a nosedive. He says, they are new every morning. Now, this is not a license for me to make mistakes every night. But what this is is hope that when I do mess up, when I wake up tomorrow, it's a new day. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord's mercy is fresh and new every morning. He never fails. He never sleeps. He never gives up on me. He never stops loving you. And no matter what your circumstances are, He never gives up. He never gives up. He never gives up. Verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Portion, portion there means share. A share is something that's invested. If you invest in something, you have shares of stock. You have portions of stock. The Lord is my investment. And the more hope that I can have in Him, the more I'm investing in Him. What are you saying? I'm saying you'll get a whole lot more out of your relationship with God when it's a two-way conversation and a two-way relationship. But what we're losing in society today is the give and take. We're losing sight of the fact that God wants something from us and, and then, then He'll do something for you. God's not going to do for you what you are capable of doing for yourself. And if you're feeling like you're living less than victory today, maybe you need to do some inventory this morning and see what it is that you need to be doing for yourself. Because the Lord is my portion. I've invested my time. I invested my effort in serving him. Therefore, I have hope. Because you see, watch this now. If Jeremiah had never invested his portion in the Lord, you cannot recall to your mind a memory of something that has never happened. A memory is only a memory because it has happened. That's the way that works. It's got to happen before, and then it's a memory. Jeremiah could only say, I'm recalling to my mind, therefore have I hope, because it had happened before. But if you don't have a relationship with God that has developed enough that you've got something going with Him already, when you go through something that's even worse, you're not going to have anything to recall to your mind. I have hope today because there's a day that I have invested in Him. Verse 25 says, The Lord is good to them that wait for Him. Are you patient seekers? He's good to them that wait for Him. All you impatient folk that want it now or you're going to walk. The Lord is good to them that wait for Him. When your answer's not coming fast enough and you're ready to give up, hold on a little longer. The Lord is good to them that wait for Him. To the soul that seeketh Him. It is good, verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope 
and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Stand with me this morning, if you would, please. Let's put that scripture back up there, if you would, please. Psalm, uh, Psalm, uh, Lamentations 3.26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for. That phrase, quietly, there, is translated from a meaning that says, get this now, are you ready? To abstain from all complaining. Brother Mason, you don't know what you're asking. If I don't tell people what I'm going through, how are they going to know to pray for me? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you giving a prayer request? Or are you gossiping? Because they're two different things and we often label them the same. When the Bible says it's good that a man should both hope and abstain from all complaining. Wait for the salvation of the Lord. There shines a ray of hope. I painted you a picture that Jeremiah had painted for us. His literary translation of darkness and grimness and bitterness is pretty clear. When you get to that mouthful of gravel stones, it gets real clear. But the story doesn't end there. The story's just now getting started. He, he, he's, just, he's just being transparent. This is where I'm at. Oh, but now I remember. And because I remember, I have hope. Why do we have hope today? I have hope today. Because his mercies fell not. His compassions are new. His mercies are new. Every morning. And his compassions fail not. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now and pray. And praise him right now. Jesus, we magnify you. Lord, you're looking at a group of people today that do not claim perfection. Lord, we don't have it all figured out this morning. We know we still need you. Our cry to you this morning is help us to remember and recall to our mind and from that have hope through the word of God. I might be going through something today, but I have hope. I might go through something tomorrow, but I have hope. I have hope because your mercies are new every day. I have hope because your mercies fail not. I have hope because your compassions are great. I have hope in you today. If your hope's in him, call on his name right now if you would. Come on, somebody love the name of Jesus together today. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I magnify your name, O oh Lord. I magnify your name. You are great. You are great. You are great. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because his mercies... Fail not. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, His mercies fail not. Look at your other neighbor. Turn the other direction 
and say his mercies fail not. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you. Thank you for being in God's house today. Do not forget that we have church this evening at 6 o'clock. And uh, we've got a lot of good stuff going. Watch the screen for announcements. They'll be played at various times throughout the service. Come back tonight. We'll have a good time in the Lord. I might talk. I might whisper. I might scream and you not hear it. I don't know what we'll do, but we'll do something. So, God is good. Amen. It's good to be in his house today. We were part of a absolutely stunningly beautiful wedding yesterday. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.